Welcome back to Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. I'm personal financial planner, columnist, and financial therapist, Rick Kaler. Research tells us that 90% of all financial decisions are made emotionally, not logically. For nearly four decades, I've been helping people make better money decisions. So what makes my financial worldview different from most financial experts? I blend the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Good money decisions are not just about the money. So let's get started with today's episode. Hi, I'm Rick Kaler, and thanks for joining me for another episode. I got a question from a listener who basically said, you know, I'm kind of gathering that emotions are bad for financial decision-making, that they can really lead us down a bad path. Is that actually true? And as I pondered that, I thought that, you know, emotions are not bad for decision-making. And neither are they good. They can be hurtful or they can be incredibly helpful. It's really how we respond to the emotions or how we don't respond that's important. You've heard me say in part of the opening of this podcast is that research, depending on the research you want to follow, tells us that 80 to 100% of all financial decisions are made emotionally. I like to divide that and say 90%. But many of those decisions are made resisting an emotion, trying to subdue it, trying to get away from it. So a person can actually make better financial decisions if they are aware of emotions if they allow themselves be in tune to what's going on in their emotional system. That would be realizing that as a financial decision is coming up, or any decision that is coming up, to say, wow, I am noticing right now I'm feeling intense sad or intense fear. Uh, Whatever that is, just naming the emotion can bring objectivity. And I don't know, to some of you this might seem simple, and to some of you it may seem really hard. I know when I first started down this path, I rarely knew what I was feeling. So this can be problematic. This this is where we can run into a lot of trouble with financial decisions. When we are scared, when we're terrified, and we don't consciously know it, this is when we call, a therapist will call this acting out, when we can go into motion and do something to keep this thing at bay, to keep it down, to keep it under wraps, and we'll do that to, uh, or we'll do something that will medicate it. And this is actually where overspending comes from. You know, a lot of really poor buying decisions come from, is keeping those feelings at bay. So that's what's behind a lot of overspending. 
you know, trying to resist, trying to subdue, repress difficult emotions. And that can, can sound a little bit like doublespeak. Emotions can also take us over, right? So I think we often think of making a decision emotionally as being flooded, right? I'm aware of the sadness. I'm aware of the fear. Um, I'm making this decision feeling intensely. And I know I'm intensely feeling it, right? I'm conscious of that. But the opposite can be true. Emotions can take over our decision-making when we are not aware of the emotion. So we can sell out of the market at the wrong time and be scared to death, but think we're making a very rational decision that, well, I'm going to get out while I still have something left. I can sell and at least have something. So we can be overwhelmed by them or we can be super repressing them. Uh, Neither state is a good state for making good financial decisions. So I've had some folks say, well, then does that mean I should be more mindful or mindfulness? Mindfulnessness. <laughs> I think I just invented a word. Mindfulness is a mouthful, but yes, we'll find success in this area when we're between the extremes of being overwhelmed and not even knowing what we're feeling. So when we become aware of what we're feeling, which is one huge step in being mindful, right? Or we can say, wow, I am really feeling this. I am aware that I'm feeling sadness. I'm not overwhelmed by it, but it's not repressed. Uh, That's 50% of getting there. But awareness is not going to win us the prize. Awareness is not going to get us there. But it is hugely important. One of the the next steps is to actually feel the emotion rather than talk about it. And This is a big one. It's a lot bigger than what it seems. Because you might say, well, okay, if I'm aware of an emotion, then I've got to be feeling it, right? No, wrong. (laughs) I don't know, just a few years ago that it hit me in all of the group therapy I had done that I had talked a lot about emotions, especially sadness, but that I had really rarely felt sadness. And oftentimes sadness is felt, or an evidence of that is tears. And that was something that was very, very difficult for me to to get to. And I had been doing some work, especially the work that I've done in internal family systems, which I've talked a, a little bit about, really, really helped me access some of my sadness in a way that 20, 25 years of group therapy hadn't been able to to get at. And I thought, wow, I, I wish somebody had explained to me 
25 years ago when I started my path that there's a difference between talking about a feeling and feeling a feeling. <laughs> so I was cleaning out the bookshelf that's right behind me just a few years ago. And I ran across it like one of the first books that I had ever picked up. And I can't even tell you what that was. And I'm paging through it. And I see all sorts of highlighted things in there. I had highlighted. And my eyes landed on one sentence, which was highlighted, that said, there's a huge difference between talking about a feeling and feeling a feeling. Wow. So somebody had explained it to me. I just hadn't heard it. So it's just important that we feel those emotions, which requires us to stop and um, uh, stop the thought that's attached to the feeling and actually feel the feeling. Uh, let me give you an example of how this plays out in me. <clears throat> Anxiety can be a difficult emotion for me to feel. And I've actually had people tell me that my unique genius is being able to go into action around something, that I can uh, talk to somebody about something and I write think and pick up the phone, send an email and get the job done. Well, that can be a great trait, but sometimes the reason that I go into action so quickly is because I am uncomfortable with the anxiety that we're talking about something I start getting anxious and I want to get it done get it done now why because there's a part of me that's feeling so much anxiety and fear that I want to I would say you could say medicate that part relieve that part help it uh, not be so triggered by solving the problem by fixing whatever it is that needs to be fixed. So what's the downside of this? Well, the downside is that I can go into action way too quick. And I also can go into action on financial decisions too quick or business decisions too quick. So this is something I really have to pay a lot of attention within myself is am I going into action because I'm feeling anxious and I'm uncomfortable with that and I want that anxiety to go away? Or I, am I going into action right now because this is a, a really good, balanced decision that's being made with uh, calmness and clarity uh, going on? There's no emotion that I'm trying to medicate. So a lot of folks will think that, okay, so when I feel an emotion or I'm aware of an emotion, that I really need to know where it's coming from. What incident, what's triggering the emotion because then I can make a good decision. And I would suggest to you that that's not really true at all. You do not need to know where an emotion is coming from. And here's where we can really get hung up because I know early on in the days, I may be becoming more aware. It's 
I, I remember that I was, uh, I believe, like a 12-step meeting and feel a lot of anger and there was nothing that happened at the meeting. No one, nothing happened at the meeting that I should be feeling anger about. And I would think, well, I can't be feeling anger for no reason. There's got to be a reason. Where is it coming from? Why am I feeling so angry or why am I feeling so scared? And we can just spend lots of times trying to figure this out. Like, we don't have permission to feel it unless there's a logical reason for feeling it. Now, that also is some of the way that my system works, right? In the Enneagram, I'm a type 1, and under pressure, type 1, type 3, type 5s go to competence in logic. You may really never experience this, but I, I really, really wanted to know why I was the, feeling the feeling. And it took me quite a while to understand that I don't need permission to feel a feeling. I don't need a reason to feel a feeling. If I'm feeling the feeling, it's real, right? It's not manufactured. It's really there. And that feeling doesn't need a reason to be. So I have found out that once I relaxed around figuring out, if I could feel the feeling, more times than not, I'm once I'm done feeling the feeling, which can feel pretty futile, fruitless, silly, crazy. Like, what's the point? Once that feeling has passed, and it's usually a difficult emotion, I'll get clarity from where it came from. And... I can't tell you how often that happened when I started doing this work. That when I finally succumbed, if you want to say, to feeling the feeling. Because I also think if we feel that we can figure out where it comes from, we can rationalize it and it'll go away, right? Oh, okay, that makes sense. Great. Goodbye. <laughs> and that really doesn't. Feeling a feeling, especially a difficult emotion, is not a pleasant experience typically. But as I did this work, I found that that feeling would transform, it would get lighter, and I typically would get clarity. And I don't know, this might not make sense to you, but I think if I flip it around, it'll make sense, right? It's the same dynamic with a light emotion. Sometimes we call these positive feelings. I try not to refer to them as positive and negative because a feeling is a feeling. But a, a light emotion, say like joy. Joy doesn't stay intense. I mean, we just aren't in that place all the time. It's a peak of lightness, right? Happiness doesn't stay intense. And as we feel that and feel the intensity, we and we have to give ourselves permission to feel the joy, feel the happiness. We can also subdue the light feelings just as we can subdue and resist the intense 
difficult feelings. So as we feel the joy, eventually the joy dissipates. That doesn't mean that it goes to sadness or fear or anything else. It just dissipates in intensity. Maybe the burning fire becomes uh, some glowing em embers, right? So I hope that's uh, helpful in trying to understand what the whole thing is uh, behind feeling feelings. So you might be saying, okay, so relief comes from feeling the feeling, so I should try to feel the feeling first. Is that right? And I would say yes. And some of you are probably saying, now wait a minute. <laughs> are you kidding me? If I feel the fear that I've been resisting all my life, if I feel the intense sadness from some trauma that's happened in my past, I will go in and never come out. It's all I can do to keep my head above water. I'll be completely taken over and overwhelmed. So that's, uh, that's often the thought process behind this. And, and um, what I have heard from psychologists is that the average feeling has a lifespan of 45 to 90 seconds. So usually it's um, as we plunge into that, uh, maybe it would be like jumping off a cliff and we don't know how far we're going to fall. But typically, it's not far. Typically, the feeling will begin to morph and change. And try this if you're aware of your feelings and some anger's triggered or something's triggered, just to take a little time out and acknowledge it. I'm feeling sadness, I'm feeling fear, and to hang with that. And many times, after 45 or 90 seconds, you'll be like, wow, that's pretty cool. It's gone. However, it's not always that easy. Because you may say, okay, I'll turn off this podcast. I'm feeling a feeling. And you set your watch and 90 seconds comes and 180 seconds comes. And, and five minutes has come and pretty soon you're like, okay, Rick, that's garbage. The feeling isn't gone. If we don't pass through a feeling quickly, that is a huge sign that it's historical, right? It's really old. Psychologists like to call this unfinished business. You could say unfelt feelings, right? Because we spent a lifetime repressing these things, smashing them down. We may have a lifetime of 90-second feelings. Well, we weren't feeling that all the time, but stored up feelings to get through. So, Sometimes when we start doing this work, there's a lot of feeling to do. And sometimes we just can't trace these feelings back to anything that we can put our finger on. So a couple tips I have for that is when you start feeling this, maybe it's through a mindful meditation, put a time limit on, maybe five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes that you're going to do this and feel the feeling. 
and then when you're done you can go about your day and you can come back the next day or later and feel it again and it may take a lot of these sessions to begin to work through uh, just being with just feeling these feelings also understand if you can't take a feeling back to something concrete to some type of emotional financial trauma it could be what psychologists call complex trauma and this is like a death by a thousand cuts it's something that happened over and over again there was one no big thing it's like maybe neglect a sea of criticism or things like this that you can't put your finger on it also could be something that happened in the very early early months in years of your life when uh, like you're pre-verbal and you just cannot put your finger on it so don't think that you're crazy right trauma is simply a a wound and you may or may not be able to put your finger on it obviously it's easier if you can remember right because you don't think you're crazy when you can't remember you can think something is wrong with you why am i reacting like this and also keep this in mind when somebody else really quote overreacts to something you do or say when you might go what is wrong with them you know all i did was spill the milk or whatever i said didn't deserve that type of reaction it's usually a part of them that's really really wounded and it's usually pretty historical so that sometimes can help us have a little compassion for the other person so this is why it's so important to be with our feelings to understand our feelings to give ourselves permission to feel feelings and a person that can help us do this is a therapist the type of therapy i do is financial therapy and i do a specific type of financial therapy myself personally called ifs internal family systems therapy ifs informed financial therapy and what I would say is I have learned that you can approach these feelings without being taken over and without being overwhelmed. As I've said, I've, I've uh, hit a lot of sadness myself, helped people hit sadness, and it can be done in a such a way that a person is not taken over. So how does all of this relate to money? Well, it all relates to money because every financial decision that we make is driven by emotions. And they can be emotions we are aware of. They can be emotions that we're not aware of. And finally, I'd like to say that um, financial planners love to think that they don't make emotional decisions. <laughs> and I laugh because that's uh, baloney. Uh, financial planners have the same brains that everybody else has, right? So by saying the decision is driven by emotion, it can be driven by conscious or unconscious. 
And usually poor financial decisions are driven by unconscious emotions. But even financial planners have parts of themselves that react to various financial scenario. And they are completely capable of making a uh, poor financial decision or ha having biases of parts of themselves that keep them from maybe even having a 401k themselves or, or doing the very things that they instruct a client to do. So these are usually buried pretty deep. So that's what I wanted to talk about uh, in this particular podcast. I think in another podcast I may get into six things that you can do on your own because uh, not everybody's ready to go to a financial therapist or a therapist. And so maybe in a future podcast, we will talk about that. So thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for the, the emails that you're sending me with uh, your experience with the podcast and um, questions that you have. So you can always reach out to me at rick at rickkaler.com. Rick at rickkaler.com. Thanks for joining me, Rick Kaler, for another episode of Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. This is where I combine the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Remember, every financial behavior, whether it appears illogical to you or others, makes perfect sense when we understand the underlying beliefs feelings, and thoughts. Sign up for my weekly blog at financialawakenings.com. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode.